Hare Krishna. So we are continuing on page 22 of the book Matchless Gift by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. And uh, today is actually Vyasa Puja of Srila Prabhupada. So it's a wonderful thing to meditate on his instructions and pray to him that by his mercy we will be able to follow them and thus achieve the perfection of life or be blessed with <laughs> yes so let's dive in Vaishnava is always thinking about how the fallen conditioned souls can be delivered and is always involved in making plans to do so the Goswamis the chief disciples of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were such Vaishnavas and were thus described by Srinivasacharya. Nana Shastra Vicharanaika Nipuno Sadharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarinam Tribhuvane Manya Sharanyakaro Radha Krishna Padara Vinda Bhajana Nandena Matalika Vandehiru Pasanatana Raguyuga Shri Jiva Gopalako the six Goswamis, Shri Snatna Goswami, Shri Rupa Goswami, Shri Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, Shri Rakunath Das Goswami, Shri Jiva Goswami, and Shri Gopal Bhatta Goswami are very expert in scrutinizingly studying all the re revealed scriptures with the purpose of establishing eternal religious principles for the benefit of all human beings. They are always absorbed in the mood of the gopis and are engaged in the transcendental loving service of Radha and Krishna. With similar Vaishnav compassion, Parikshit Maharaj told Chukadeva Goswami, you have just described the different types of hellish life. Now tell me how those who are suffering can be delivered. Kindly explain this to me. The word Nara refers to human beings or those who are fallen. Narakan Naraha Nanograyata How can they be delivered from their fierce miseries and horrible pains? Fierce miseries and horrible pains. That is typical of a Vaishnava heart. Maharaj Parikshit also said, somehow rather, they have fallen down to a hellish life. But that doesn't mean that they should remain in such condition. There must be some means by which they can be delivered, so kindly explain those means. And Shukadeva Goswami replied, Yes, I have already described various hellish conditions typical of a severe and painful life. The point is that one has to counteract such a life. How can this be done? There are various ways in which sinful activities can be committed. One is by the mind. If a person thinks of committing some sinful activity and thus makes a plan, I shall kill that man, that is considered to be sinful. 
When the mind is thinking, feeling, and willing, then there is action. In certain areas of the United States, a dog owner is responsible according to the law if his dog barks at someone passing on the road. Although the dog simply barks, the owner is responsible. The dog is not responsible because it is an animal, but because the owner of the animal has made the dog his best friend, he is responsible by law. Similarly, just as the barking of a dog may be considered unlawful, offensive speech may also be considered sinful, for it is just like barking. The point is that sinful activities can be committed in so many ways. One may think of them, or one may speak sinfully, or one may actually commit a sin. In any case, they are all considered sinful activities. One has to suffer punishment for such activities. People do not believe in the next life because they want to avoid botheration and punishment. But the next life cannot be avoided. It is a well-known fact that we must act according to law or we will be punished. If one commits criminal activities, the state will punish him. Sometimes, however, a criminal may escape punishment by the state, but this is not the case with God's law. One can cheat others, commit theft, and hide, thereby saving himself from the punishment of the state. But one cannot save himself from the superior law, the law of nature. It is very difficult because there are many witnesses. The daylight is the witness, the moonlight is witness, and Krishna is the supreme witness. Thus one cannot say, I am committing the sin, but no one can see me. Krishna is the supreme witness sitting within the heart and he not only notes what one is thinking and doing but uh, he also gives the living entity facility if one wants to do something in order to satisfy his senses Krishna gives all facility this is stated in Bhagavad Gita I am sitting in everyone's heart Bhagavad Gita 15.15 From me come remembrance, knowledge and forgetfulness. Smritir, remembrance, jnanam, knowledge, apohanam, forgetfulness. In this way, Krishna gives us a chance. If we want Krishna, he will give us a chance to have him. And if we don't want Krishna, he will give us a chance to forget him. If we want to enjoy life forgetting Krishna, forgetting God, Krishna will give us all facility so that we can forget. But if we want to enjoy life in Krishna consciousness, Krishna will give us the chance to make progress. This is up to us. If we think that we can be happy without Krishna consciousness, Krishna does not object to that. Bhagavad Gita 18.63 After advising Arjuna, he simply said, Now I have explained everything to you. Whatever you desire, you can do. Arjuna replied immediately, Bhagavad Gita 18.73 Now I shall execute your order. That is Krishna consciousness. God does not interfere with our tiny independence. If we want to act according to the order of God, then he will help us. But even if we 
even if one falls down sometimes, if one becomes sincere, thinking from this time I shall remain Krishna conscious and execute his orders, then Krishna will help him. In all respects, if one, even if one fall down, falls down, he will be excused and given more intelligence. This intelligence will say, don't do this, now go on with your duty. But if one wants to forget Krishna, if he wants to become happy without Krishna, the Lord will give so many chances to enable him to forget him, life after life. Parikshit Maharaj said, It is not that if I say there is no God, that there will be no God, or that I will not be responsible for what I do. The atheists deny God due to their sinful activities. If they thought that there were God, they would shudder at the thought of punishment, therefore they deny his existence. When rabbits are attacked by larger animals, they close their eyes and think, I'm not going to be killed. But they are killed anyway. Similarly, we may deny the existence of God and his laws, but still God and his laws are there. In a high court, one may say, I don't care for the law of the government but he will be forced to accept the government law. If one denies the state law, he will be put into prison and duly punished. Similarly, one may foolishly decry the existence of God by various means, like there is no God or I am God, but ultimately one is responsible for all his actions, both good and bad. According to the law, excuse me, <coughs> According to the law of karma, or the law governing activities, if we act properly and perform pious activities, we are awarded by good fortune, and if we act sinfully, we have to suffer. Therefore, Shukadeva Goswami says, Tasmad puraiva shvihapapa nishkritao yate tamrityor avipadyatatmana you should know that you are responsible, and according to the gravity of your sins, you should accept some type of, some type of atonement, as described in the Shastras or scriptures. Srimad Bhagavatam 6.1.8 just as doctors are sought when one is diseased, according to the Vedic way of life, there is a class of brahmanas to whom one should go for prescribed atonement for sinful activities. There are different types of atonement. If a person commits a sin and counteracts it by penance, that is atonement. There are examples of this in the Christian Bible. Shukadeva says that one has to execute the prescribed atonement according to the gravity of his sinful activities. As phys physician can prescribe an expensive medicine or a cheap medicine according to the gravity of the disease, for a headache he may simply prescribe an aspirin, but if there is some severe illness he may prescribe a surgical operation which will cost thousands of dollars. Similarly, sinful activities are diseases. So one should follow the prescribed cures to become healthy. By accepting the chain of birth and death, the soul accepts a diseased condition. The soul is not subject to birth 
death or disease because it is pure spirit. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that a soul has no birth, najayate, and that it has no death, mriyate. Najayate mriyate vakadachina yam bhutva bhavitava nabuya ajonitya shashvata yam purano nahanyate hanyamane sharire. For the soul, there is never birth or death, nor having once been, does he ever cease to be. He is unborn, eternal, ever existing, and undying and primeval. He is not slain when the body is slain. Bhagavad Gita 2.20 Modern civilization is in dire need of an educational system to give people instructions on what happens after death. In actuality, the present educational system is most defective. Because unless one knows what happens after death, one dies like an animal. An animal does not know that he is subject to death or that he is going to have to take another body. Human life, however, should be more elevated. One should not simply be interested in the animalistic functions of eating, sleeping, defending and mating. A living entity may have an abundant supply of food for eating or many nice buildings for sleeping or good arrangement for sex life or a good defense to protect him, but this does not mean that he is a human being. A civilization which is based on these activities should be known as animalistic. Since animals are also interested in these functions, what is the difference between human life and animal life if a human being doesn't go beyond them? The distinction can be made when a human being becomes inquisitive and asks, what have I been doing to be put into this miserable condition? Is there any remedy for it? Is there perpetual eternal life? I do not want to die, nor do I want to suffer. I want to live very happily and peacefully. Is there a chance for this? What is the method or science by which this can be achieved? When these questions are asked and steps are taken to answer them, our human civilization is the result. If the questions never arise, then that civilization should be known as animalistic. Animals and animalistic human beings are simply interested in continuing the process of eating, sleeping, mating and defending. But in actuality, this process is forced to break down. The fact is that there is no real defense, because one, no one can protect himself from the hands of cruel death. For instance, Hiranyakashipu, who wanted to live forever, underwent severe austerities, but he was foiled in the end by the Lord himself in the form of a lion man Rishingadev, who killed Hiranyakashipu with his claws. So-called scientists are now claiming that some time in the future we shall stop death by scientific methods, but this is simply another crazy utterance. Stopping death is not at all possible. We may make great achievements in scientific knowledge, but there is no scientific solution to the fourfold miseries of birth, death, old age and disease. 
one who is intelligent should be eager to solve these four principal problems – birth, death, old age, and disease. No one wants to die. But there is no remedy. Everyone has to die. Everyone is very anxious to stop the skyrocketing increase of population by employing contraceptive methods. But still, birth is going on. There is no stoppage of death. And there is no stoppage of birth. Nor can diseases be stopped. Nor an old age. Despite all of the latest inventions in medicine, one might think that he has solved all the problems of life. But where is the solution to these four problems of birth, death, old age and disease? That solution is Krishna consciousness. Every one of us is giving up his body at every moment, but the last phase of giving up this body is called death. But Krishna also says, Janma karma chame divyam evam one who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving this body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, O Arjuna. Bhagavad Gita 4.9 What happens to such a person? Mom Eti. He returns to Krishna. If we are to go to Krishna, we must prepare a spiritual body. That preparation is the process of Krishna consciousness. If one keeps himself in Krishna consciousness, he gradually prepares his next body, a spiritual body, which will carry him immediately to Krishna Loka, Krishna's abode, and he will become happy, living there perpetually and blissfully. Jai. We have concluded the second chapter entitled Getting Out of the Material Mire and tomorrow we will be starting on third chapter which is called Learning to Love and that's the most lovely chapter one of the most lovely chapters I've ever read and uh, I'm very excited to read it again tomorrow so stay tuned and uh, let us absorb in Shravanam again tomorrow. Hare Krishna. Jaya Prabhupada.